what happens when veterinary professionals can't, won't, or aren't unable to pay for their own pet's care? This week, we want to talk about the myriad of complications that arise whenever we are faced with a big bill for our own pet's care. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And Viewfinders, we're back to our dear friend, Money. And this week, we want to spin it slightly away from the client end of the money spectrum back to our end. And what happens when our pets need expensive care? How do we feel about paying our own bills? How do we pay for our own pet's care? What do we do when we can't just put it on our clinic tab? I mean, there are so many things to talk about. And how does this even influence our perspective on what we judge for our clients? Oh gosh, Becky, before we get started, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, this is a topic that just goes in so many directions. There are so many angles and perspectives to consider. But I guess at the end of the day, what sparked this conversation was, okay, you now have $5,000 worth of dog knees in your house, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's where it kind of stemmed from is very expensive dog knees. And while my dog was mid recovery from one knee, my other dog got old dog vestibular disorder. So down she goes, (sighs) off to the vet we go. When we come home, my other dog's blown her other knee that still needs a TPLO. (laughs) And I rightfully so, not gonna lie, was a little overwhelmed in the moment, uh, emotionally and financially. And I feel like I'm a really lucky technician in the sense that I have a significant other in the household who makes a good income and I make a good income and I have financial flexibility. I don't have young kids or kids in college. Um, I don't pay for daycare. Like there's a big long list of things that I am not up against compared to my colleagues and I'm still sweating this $5,000. Right. And, and really, viewfinders, what also came into mind quickly was that how does our attitude towards our own pet bills, if you will, you know, influence our perspective on what we expect clients. So, you know, like when a client is faced with a $5,000 worth of knee surgeries, you know, how do we sort of, I guess, deal with it whenever they say, hey, I've got all these stressors and challenges? It, it's, I don't know. That's my thing, I guess. It's <laughs> right. like, I don't know because I don't have them. And that's what I'm wondering because Again, I see myself as very lucky in the sense that, you know, I have a care credit card. Um, my credit allows for that so that I have a backup. But like uh, we all know we run care credit regularly in the, in the hospital right. and there is a very high decline rate. And I'm not trying to pick on care credit, right? There's several different companies and, and any type of credit card, right? You know, but we see people in the clinic scrambling to pay for emergency care. And, and, and kind of what it comes down to, you know, part of it I was thinking about is the fact that like, So I knew my dog was going to blow her ACLs because she's a pit bull. So like that was on my plan. We knew there were partial tears. We knew this was up and coming. But like what happens when you're just out there playing ball with your dog and like when her either side actually tore, it's just heartbreaking to see. She can barely toe touch on that side. She's all gimpy girl. She's sad during the day. She's not as quick to get up and meet me at the door. So to me, this is like a very acute situation. I want it fixed like right away. But how long does it take to save $2,500 if that's not in your budget? 
Right. And viewfinders, what about the unexpected cancer diagnosis? You know, suddenly diagnosed with chronic kidney failure in your older cat. I mean, these things can really hit hard and fast and have extensive expenses, so to speak. But but at the end of the day, too, Becky, one of the things I want to discuss is, you know, how does your clinic handle this? Okay, so let's say your dog does tear its ACL. Let's say your your cat is diagnosed with CKD or cancer. You know, I mean, are you given like an amount that you can put on your bill? Do you have a maximum threshold? I mean, as a practice owner, you know, these were real dilemmas that that we faced. But Becky, what have what have been your experiences around that part of this? Well, I want to say I think that's kind of the problem is in my experience, there isn't a limit. Right. And I mean, I've worked with some colleagues and I've talked to some technicians who have some bills as high as my care credit card right now. Right, right. And, you know, it, that it, it, to me... It doesn't matter if you're in debt to your clinic or if you're in debt to care credit, you're in debt. And without sounding like a finger pointer in any single way, it kind of has me thinking like about how quick we are to accuse our clients of not having the finances that they need. Um, But then we have a line of credit available at our clinic pretty quickly. And, you know, whether there's a limitation or not, I haven't experienced that. But at the same time, too, are you going to be the office manager or the doctor that says to your colleague, super sorry, but I can't fix your dog because you you can't have that high of a limit here? Yeah. And viewfinders, we never had this limit. Uh, probably was a good idea if we did, because certainly I did have a, a few employees leave me with a mountain of debt. And by mountain, you know, Becky, to be honest, you know, four, five, six hundred dollars. Uh, yeah. I had a colleague several years ago that was telling me about the loss of an employee who owed them four thousand dollars. So, you know, now that that really does take a hit. Well, and I think a mountain of debt is a relative thing, right? Right, I think it's based on your income because I know that $100 can be really, you know, I know that times in my life, $100 would have been a really big concern as much as now $1,000 might be or more. So I think that mountain of debt is very relative. Um, And, you know, I think it's interesting to think about that when when you think about people just like, up and dipping out with big giant bills, you know, how do you handle that situation in terms of um, their next (laughs) job and their reference? Or, you know, do you take them for collections? Like, what do you do with that? That's kind of awful. It really was. And again, I can only speak from my experiences. You know, we did not take anybody to collections. We never did anything. Uh, You know, if we had ever gotten a reference check. We certainly would have told them what was going on. Uh, but of course, these people are, are smart enough not to ask us for a reference if they leave us with debt. But you know, the other thing, Becky, that, that you brought up that I think it really bears repeating is, okay, what's our responsibility as like a practice owner manager towards helping you manage your debt, right? Are we enabling you or even allowing you to get into a situation that's financially untenable and perhaps risky, you know, to your overall financial picture. I mean, this is a, this is a big issue for me. I think it can also kind of just lead to that. Like if, if I, you know, how often are you in your personal account in the clinic, right? You're looking up a a due date or you're running a dummy something or other on one of your pets. And then you just see this constant number in red. And you know, when you're running financial reports every month, there's your number in red. And I think it can lead to that kind of just stress of not being able to make ends meet because you have this really visible mounting debt. You know, and even myself, like I'll say to people, I have 
<laughs> four dogs and two cats and they're appalled and um I'm like you know but it's it's a, it's a job liability I wouldn't have this many pets if I wasn't a veterinary technician and knew I could take care of them but that being said I'm not in the clinic anymore and they have been a there's a financial burden of having six pets when you aren't in the clinic and can kind of spread that out not getting all the samples that you used to get and things like that so I mean, I think we almost lean into it as an excuse, but then also I think about it, I look around in my house and my pets and I'm like, yeah, well, they were all rescues and what would have happened if I didn't take them. Um, so I think it kind of leads to that emotional empathy burden we carry as veterinary professionals. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, you've really unlocked a lot there because that's <laughs> exactly how we get ourselves in these situations. But getting back to the, to the pragmatic of this, I mean, so here's what, how it worked in our clinic viewfinders. And I'd love to hear your, your own experiences. So let's say that, you know, you needed something, your cat was sick or dog needed surgery, whatever, right? So you needed to put it on your bill. So let's say it's a $500 bill just for sake of argument. Well, what would happen is, you know, typically you would work with one of the managers and you'd say, hey, take, you know, $20 out of my paycheck for forever, right? I mean, yes. you know how the game is. Right. But we also know then what happens. You have this additional layer of flexibility in most clinics where this is how it would go down at my clinics. Hey, jo Joanne, can you not take something out of my paycheck this week because, you know, I've got a kid's birthday. And so that's another added layer there that maybe we allow, we help enable, right? This sort of thing. And, and it, it's some, it's a freedom that a client wouldn't have. So now Becky, let's say in your situation that you were doing this through a clinic, you know, you could, I would imagine go to them if you really needed to and say, Hey, can you not take it out of my paycheck for the next month? I'm, I'm kind of strapped right now. Whereas a client who's on the hook for $5,000 for TPLOs, uh, they don't have that luxury. I mean, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And not to mention your average clinic is not doing TPLOs, right? And right. so now is the this level of care and repair. So like, for example, with my girl, uh, ACL repair, TPLO was like her only option, right? Yeah, We're not going right. to do sutures, sutures right, right. on her knees at her age and her weight and her build at all. Now we're, we don't do this surgery, right? So now what I have to go to a specialty yeah. clinic and are they going to extend me a line of credit just because I'm a technician? Nope. Uh, probably <laughs> not. I mean, maybe if we have a very close relationship and for example, where Layla had her knees done was at a general practice where a specialty, um, a, a specialist comes in, Dr. Melissa Stahl, shout right, out, she's right. amazing. And um, so maybe if I worked at that clinic, I could have put it on my bill or tab there. I don't know. Would Dr. Stahl take that? Would the clinic front the money for her? Like there's a lot of kind yeah. of weird things around that. And so it's, it becomes like, okay, maybe we're running some vaccines and worst case scenario, uh, you know, um, broken something or other, or, a, you know, a blockage. What about when we have to get out of our clinic and go get this care? And then we can't. Right, right. And I hear that quite often, you know, Becky, as I'm sure you do as well, where uh, a person, a vet, a professional needs emergency care. They have to go to an ER. It's a very different experience, right? Just yeah. from the whole waiting in the lobby part, you know, to, yeah. to then going in the exam room and not being allowed in the back, you know? So right. it's like, wait, when you become going? a client and you're not used to it. And I, I think it's just an interesting thing to be thinking about in terms of, like you said, are we mentoring and coaching our teams in a way that we help them be realistic? Um, are there limitations to the number?
number of like do you allow your your staff to just take pets and have them surrendered to them um you know i know there are some clinics that will say you know we'll reimburse for one pet's pet insurance or something like that but i i that's like the only place i really see limitations yeah, years ago, guys, uh, and I'll put a link in the show notes. I did a, a video essay on, you know, why don't you treat them for free? And basically, it's just exploring this whole like, well, what about when we ask the client who can't afford the care to surrender the pet to us, in which case we typically then go on to provide the care for free. So, you know, yeah. it's a really interesting discussion. I'll up include show, uh, links in the show notes. But Becky, getting back to this, you know, wh where I think I am the most intrigued is, okay, what how does this influence our perspective on what we expect of each other and our clients? Meaning that, you know, if you have the ability to put this on your bill, does, does your whole team then expect you to do the TPLO or go to extraordinary chemo or whatever, right? And, and are we somehow now being influenced by our ability to get this, you know, transferred to a third party payment system, you know, or delayed payment billing to our clients, right? I mean, I'm trying to articulate the thing that if it's easy for us to get these services, you know, paid for in some fashion, you know, with delayed billing or whatever, uh, does that then encourage us to say, we expect the same for our clients? I hope I made some sense there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you, that, and, and I think this is where, you know, we have a little bit of concern because we don't want it to sound like we're being judgmental. We're bringing up a question that we have. We don't have the answer to it and we're not accusing. But it's an interesting thing to think about. And again, it did stem from the fact that I'm a veterinary technician without tons of money laying around and had to do some expensive surgeries that, you know, were, were no-brainers to me. But I do see where... We can be very, I, I think it goes one way or the other, I guess I want to yeah, say, is that yeah. we are either super judgmental of each other and kind of look down our nose and talk behind their back or tisk at them for not doing what we think they should do. Or on the other side, we super justify it with them in a way that we probably would not for our clients. Yeah. It's, so, so here's viewfinders. Just, I guess what I'm trying to say is, okay, we, when Becky's dog blows out her ACL, we expect her to do TPLO. We expect her to do whatever it takes. And if you guys know Becky Mosser, RVT, she has gone to extraordinary lengths with her pets over the years. Now, I mean, obviously I have two with my pets, but I'm a vet. So it's even one more, you know, it's easier for me, right? Because I can do the surgeries or whatever, you know, I can write, write the prescriptions, but Becky, you know, okay. So, so we expect you to go to these extraordinary lengths, but what would have happened in your situation if you had a child in, in, in diapers, if you had a child in college, what if you had had a sick husband, right? I mean, how would that have influenced that decision or rather the perception of other colleagues? And at the end of the day, should we even care what our colleagues might say about our level of care for our pets? You know, as long as it's not like causing harm. I mean, this is the question, right? And again, viewfinders, we don't have the answer here. We're just saying this is an interesting topic for us to contemplate as professional colleagues, right? Because we think it does bear your review. Sure. And I think it's also something that's worthwhile to think about from policy standpoint and office management yeah, yeah. in terms of how are we going to deal with this situation? Because if you haven't dealt with it yet, you will eventually. And, um, you know, I think... It is one of the things that we really need to um, have that kind of no gossip, no talking about each other kind of culture and policy. But, you know, f for for me, it, it's like 
I'm looking at my dog suffer, right? So bad right. enough that that it feels like that. I know that there's a time in my life I absolutely could not have paid for these knees outright. And I can't imagine having to watch her be in pain and deal with that. Um, but then again, I also, you know, I understand limitations. And I understand emotional, uh, you know, I understand everybody looks at things differently. And so you're right. How do we... Ugh, you know, navigate other people's decisions. And is it any of their decision? You know, do should we not be, you know, should, should we be keeping our pet's business as private between the doctor that's treating them and ourselves? Is it something we should even be, you know, marching around talking about um, in, in the potential of creating that situation? And um, I really yeah. just don't know. I mean, I know I've had bad experiences where my pets that have gotten sick and not made it. And I question decisions that I made. And I wonder, you know, geez, were the people around me thinking, what is she doing? Yeah. And, wow. So much good stuff there, Becky. Um, and, you know, you and I have worked together and given lectures and both of us independently have written and lectured on client shaming. And, and a lot of that conversation and those presentations revolve around what, how do we deal as a team when a client can't or won't pay for like extensive care. So it's chemotherapy, it's surgery, whatever, right? So how do we not judge them? How do we make the client feel as comfortable as possible with their decision, assuming that, you know, it's not causing harm or like convenient euthanasia, right? So, so again, how do we do that? And Becky, sometimes when we have these conversations, I worry, are we now client shaming, so to speak, our colleagues? Well, right, right. That's exactly it is. And, you know, I think sometimes we just make assumptions like, oh, well, you just do right. this and everything will be fine. Right. And yes, I do think that there is room for us to be at least in our own minds, shaming and making judgments um, or, or even about their own emotional reactions or attachments right to their own pets. There's 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 so much room for judgment and we have a tendency and, and it's a natural tendency to fall there. But I think the question is really is, are we are we treating our colleagues differently than we would treat our our clients and why? And here's the other thing. Are we laying an excessive burden of responsibility on the, the clinic in these situations? By that, I mean, like, and look, as a general practitioner, most of the things that my team was asking me to do were not TPLOs, right? They were not like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in procedures. Mainly, these were things we could manage with, you know, simple medications and treatments, and it was time, right? So it, honestly, if the technician wanted to put their time in to take care of the pet, you know, I would more than happily supply them whatever supplies they needed, you know, drugs and so forth. But let's get back to the situation of, you know, okay, you're now a tech and your dog does need $5,000 worth of surgery at our clinic and you go to the manager and the manager says, ah, we just can't, we can't float you like that, right? Are we now expecting them to do that? Do we then somehow launch into an attack on the clinic? Well, you won't allow me to take care of my pet, right? You, right. you see where I'm going with this. It's kind of like being denied care credit or scratch pay, right? I mean, do we then go and rail against care credit? You're you're going to kill my pet. I don't know. Wow, there's just so many complications here. Back well, in my head and that's hurting. exactly it, right, is, is I think about the fact that, you know, we do we do think we do have that feeling toward our clients when they are not able to afford a procedure. I know I have thought to myself when they say like, can't you just finance it is like, if your friends and family won't loan you money and you're not eligible for care credit, like why would I think that I'm a better right. source for recuperation? Um, and again, I think that that's kind of what you're getting at here is it's like, should we say to our, our staff, 
okay, well, you need to apply for financial assistance of some kind first. You know, you need to either try the third parties or apply for a credit card, or you're going to have to do something to try to afford this on your own first, or is there, you know, a percentage that we can, or is it just you need to cap the accounts no matter what? Um, and then again, it's like, what is the consequence of that? Right. If you are literally watching your colleague euthanize a pet due to financial constraints, what is that going to do for your relationship? What's that going to do for the clinic culture? How is that going to be anything positive? But if you don't, are you doing them any kind of favors? Right. And that's the tripwire. I think that's what we're all in management ownership. That's the tripwire we want to avoid because we know that if we set that one off, we don't know how many bombs are going to blow up on us. I mean, so it's like a scary thing. So we're like, of course, we'll do whatever. We'll bend over backwards. And meanwhile, you could be mounting up, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars in debt. So, you know, again, viewfinders, this is one of those nice questions that we don't have an answer for you, but we do think we should be considering it because like Becky said, when these things go wrong, they go terribly wrong, terribly fast. Yeah. And and then again, a relationship and, and in a lot of cases, friendships are affected. And yeah, I think that's yeah. kind of the worst part, right? Is that we are family at work. I, I, everyone says that, you know, that's my work family um, or, or at least somebody in that clinic is somebody you like. And um, <laughs> when, when now you hate your facility because they did this, to you, it's what it feels like. Uh, um, yeah. It it then becomes like, man. Or even if you are, you know, having amount deducted from your already too small paycheck, right. then every week or two weeks or however you get paid, you just got this like punch in the gut. And I think there's also a resentment that builds that it's like they know I'm barely making any money. They're hardly paying me a living wage. And they're taking this $100 every check and they know I'm not making ends meet already. And I think this is, can really build on the emotional burden, the financial burden, and the mental burden that leads to this whole stress burnout situation. Right. And that, that is the emotional toll that debt takes in any form, right? Whether it's yeah. for your college or for your home or for your pet's care. I mean, when you are constantly reminded that you owe, 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 and it is being taken out of your daily pay, I mean, it does, as you said, build resentment. And so I think that's... That's where the emotional, you know, sort of tension and friction begins. And ultimately, it can result in a conflagration, you know, that, that really leads to, to problems in the workplace. Yeah, viewfinders, I, this is one of those conversations for me that, wow, it's like the more I explore it with Becky, and Becky, again, thank you so much for having these types of dynamic conversations. But the more I explore it, you know, the more you realize, oh, wow, more tentacles, <laughs> you know, yep. more, more cul-de-sacs that I don't know how to get out of. And uh, um, wow. So, so I think what we're trying to say at the end of all this is we need to think about how is our relationship with our pets' expenses and our clinics intertwined? How do we manage those? And then does that potentially influence how we view a client's ability or our expectations of them to provide care from a financial standpoint? I mean, wow, there's there's a lot to unpack there that I just don't think a lot of us are thinking about. Yeah, and and it, you know, it's it's one of those things that I think can become an ongoing problem. I think the people who take advantage of it are the people who take advantage yeah, of it. Yeah. Um, and so then that adds to the problem is it's like, oh, she's always, you know, bringing her pet in here and she's always running up a big bill. We're always doing all this work and we're not seeing any money. And then I wonder from a management standpoint, how that's going to charge against you when you are a few minutes late for work or you are, you know, you, you do screw up. Is this my overall um, idea of you going to decrease with the amount of money you owe and the frequency? <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, 
I, I think there's something to that. Wow, there's a lot there. And you're right. Again, just the inter-team dynamics, right? So if you constantly see someone who's taking an advantage of any system, right? This could be free food. This could be free bathing. This could be, of course, as we're saying now, you know, running up a bill for pet expenses. This this is one of those things that can build a barrier between teams and lead to disharmony. So, wow, you know, Becky, it's just one of those elements. Again, this is why managing and running vet clinics is really a challenge, you know? Yeah. And I think it's the thing we always, we need to think about what we haven't thought about, you know, and and again, that's what we try to do here is to just bring these thoughts up and and to not necessarily say we have answers or, or even passing our own judgment um, and, and trying to be really vulnerable and honest about the, the times I've been in this situation as well, where I couldn't, you know, uh, like I, I had a dog with a blockage once that I could not hospitalize and that would have been the care I wished he had. I had to do it on my own little hospital at home and he didn't make it, you know, and I'll always wonder if I had the time and or the funds and the ability at the time to put him in the emergency hospital, would the outcome have been different? And looking back as a baby technician, I just didn't know what I know now. Um, but the experienced techs around me probably did. So it really becomes a matter of, um, again, thinking about the future, thinking about problems you haven't come across so that you have a policy in place before it ever even happens. Because I think one thing we've really pulled apart in this conversation is it can lead to a lot of conflict. Wow. And as Becky famously says, viewfinders for over four and a half years, is this is another one of those topics we need to get ahead of. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) can we please get our crystal balls out and start to look? and see what we've got in the future. Um, but, but you know, I think it's easy to, you're like, look, I can barely deal with the fires in my office right now, right, around, right, sitting around right, thinking right. about problems I don't have. But that's what we're here for. We're here to create problems in your world to think about <laughs> that don't yet exist so that you don't have a big problem when that fire lights in your office. And also to start a conversation about this so that you guys can tell us what you're doing, we can idea share on our social media. Yeah, so viewfinders, what are your thoughts around paying for your own pet's bills? Have you run up a bill that you were uncomfortable with? How does your clinic handle you allowing you to run up a bill? I mean, do you think in any way, shape, or form this potentially influences veterinary professionals' perception of clients' ability to pay or provide care? Viewfinders, this is one of those we really would like to hear from you. That's right. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder and on Twitter at Vet Viewfinder. Also, if you guys get a chance, one of the most important things you can do for us is to go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a rating review and please subscribe. It helps uh, other managers find problems they don't know they have. Well, until next week, we are wishing you and your pets health and happiness and low vet bills. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, bye. Bye. My Venmo is. (laughs) That's right. Go fund Becky. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.